From the studios of EWTN, this is Open Line with today's host, Father Wade Menezes. In North America, call toll-free 1-833-288-EWTN. That's 1-833-288-3986. Outside North America, call 1-205-271-2985 or send an email to openline at EWTN.com. A tremendous Tuesday to each and every one of you. Thanks so much for tuning in to EWTN's Open Line. Father Wade is live and in living color right here in the studio with us to take your phone calls today. Pick up the phone and give us a call. The number is 833-288-EWTN. That's 833-288-3986. If you're outside the United States and Canada, that number is 1-205-271-2985. And we'll even put you straight to the front of the line at one 205 271-2985 and you can always send us an email that email address is openline at ewtn.com I'm Jack Williams Michael McCall producing the program your call screener is Matt Kubensky and Jeff Burson handling our social media efforts so if you're watching us on YouTube or Facebook live you can type a question into the chat window and it may find its way to us by the end of the program. And our host, as he is every Tuesday, the aforementioned, Father Wade Menezes, how are you? Exhausted. I thought you would, like, wear a flowered shirt and <laughs> well, a lay in here today yeah, on vacation. That's right. I am technically on vacation. <laughs> but the EWTN family celebration on Saturday at the Birmingham Convention Center wore me out in a good way, <laughs> in, a, in a fantastic way. So I want to invite any of our Open Line Tuesday listeners live this hour, watching on YouTube, watching on Facebook, or watching uh, or listening on, on the podcast live, uh, to call in if you were in attendance on Saturday in Birmingham at the 2023 EWTN Family Celebration, or maybe you weren't, but you've since watched it on YouTube because it's now posted the entire nine-and-a-half-hour event. Uh, give us a call. Tell us what you think. We'd love to hear your comments on how things went this year. I think, Jack, that it went very, very smoothly, very, very beautifully. Uh, about 2,000 people in the English track, about 700 people in the Spanish track. Uh, I thought things went very, very well. Uh, the segment shows, the two talks by myself and, and Deacon Harold Burke Sivers. Uh, I just thought everything just went really well. You, you, and, you and Deacon Harold did a spectacular job warming the crowd up for me. Well, yes, and, yes, uh, we, I'm sure, I'm sure we did. <laughs> they were like Jack when, when, by the time you came out. You that's know? exactly right. Well, we can argue who's the greatest amongst us, but I don't think either one of us hold a candle to Saint Augustine or his mother, Saint Monica. That's right. You know, his feast day was yesterday on August 28th, and he's actually my springboard uh, today, my springboard topic. Poor Saint Monica got bumped because of Sunday, the 21st Sunday of Ordinary Time, but I'm sure she doesn't mind, Jack. So uh, we're going to talk about Augustine today, but today, the 29th, is actually the memorial of the beheading of St. John the Baptist. So maybe if we have uh, some time in between uh, callers, we can talk about the beheading of St. John the Baptist, just a wonderful memorial for the precursor of Jesus Christ, the God-man, uh, the last of the prophets who stands at the line of demarcation between the Old Testament and the New Testament. But as far as St. Augustine goes, you know, he's a bishop and doctor of the Church. His feast day again was yesterday, August 28th. And born in North Africa in 354, Augustine entered the Church at the age of 32, the most prolific and influential of the Latin fathers, that is, the Western fathers of the Church, St. Augustine spent the first half of his life studying and teaching rhetoric there. 
He lived with a woman for some 23 years whom he never married. He also fathered a child out of wedlock at age 17. In his writings, most notably his confessions, St. Augustine admits to a lust addiction that he struggled with up to the time of his conversion at age 32, which again uh, happened in his early 30s, not mid-30s, not latter 30s, but God is always ready to call us when we are ready to respond with our yes to him. Augustine had also adhered to the religion of the Manichaeans, a sect that believed that two competing forces of good and evil dominated the universe, represented by light and darkness, or spirit and matter. The prayers of his mother, St. Monica, and the preaching of St. Ambrose, his confessor, influenced Augustine's conversion. But as he himself tells it in his famous confessions, the story of his life, his autobiography, really, uh, his entry into the Catholic Church was primarily the work of Almighty God, who pursued him throughout his life. Augustine writes, quote, See who I was in myself and by myself. I have destroyed myself, but he who made me remade me anew. Beautiful quote from his confessions. After Augustine's confession, Ambrose baptized Augustine in the year 387. Augustine was ordained a priest and in 395 was elected Bishop of Hippo, also in North Africa. There he led the church during a time of theological schism and political upheaval with his extensive pastoral preaching and brilliant theological refutations of heresy. The monastic rule which he composed directed originally to a community of nuns continues to inspire many religious orders till this very day. Augustine's confessions and autobiographical account of its own caliber consists of the saint's interior probing, his philosophical reflections, and his penitential angst and wholehearted prayer. To this day, Jack, the Confessions of St. Augustine continues to move even the most modern of readers, and many private and public universities still make it required reading on their reading list. Pope Francis tells us that Augustine, that for Augustine, it was, quote, relentless in his heart, which brought him to a personal encounter with Christ, re- restlessness in his heart, excuse me, which brought him to a personal encounter with Christ, and which brought him to understand that the remote God he was seeking was the same God who is close to every human being, the God close to our heart, as Augustine himself would say, the God more inward than even my innermost self. Known as the Doctor of Grace, St. Augustine is one of the four great Western Latin fathers of the Church. The other three great Latin fathers are St. Ambrose, St. Jerome, and Pope St. Gregory the Great. And worth mentioning here is that the four great Eastern fathers are St. Basil the Great, St. Gregory Nazianzen, St. John Chrysostom, and St. Athanasius. Augustine produced over 1,700 writings, including sermons, treatises, scriptural commentaries, and the spiritual classic, his confessions, and the very magisterial City of God, about God and government. His biographer, Posidius, wondered how anyone could have produced such a vast volume of written work. At the end of his life, Augustine requested that the seven penitential psalms be copied in large print and hung in his room. He recited them for the 10 days leading up to his death on August 28th, 430. The seven penitential psalms, according to the Hebrew numbering system, are Psalm 6, 32, 38, 51, of course, the Miserere, 102, 
130 and 143. Some of my favorite St. Augustine quotes, Jack, are the following. Regarding salvation, he says, no one can be ready for the next life unless he trains himself for it now. And referring to his own conversion later on in life, he says, late have I loved you, O beauty ever ancient, my God, ever new, late have I loved you. You were within me, but I was outside of you. You called, you shouted, and you broke through my deafness. You flashed, you shone, and you dispelled my blindness, in referring to how God called him. And then regarding the church's magisterial authority as the bride of Christ, he says, Rome has spoken, the case is closed. I love the Latin, it's often rendered, Roma locuta est, causa finita est. And regarding the gift of faith, Augustine says, faith opens the door to understanding, but unbelief closes it. And regarding the Most Holy Eucharist, he says, the great table is the one at which the Lord of the banquet is himself the food. No one feeds the guest with his very self, yet that is precisely what Christ the Lord does. He invites and he is the food and drink. The martyrs took careful note of what they ate and drank so that they might return the same. Christ gave his body and blood, and the martyrs, of course, give their body and blood. And regarding mortality, Morality, morality. St. Augustine says, wrong is wrong, even if everyone else is doing it, and right is right, even if no one else is doing it. Yeah, that's mortality, too. Yeah, that's right. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's right. And then regarding the importance of having good self-knowledge, he says, a man cannot hope to find God unless he first finds himself. And regarding salvation from the Catechism of the Catholic Church, number 1847, Augustine says, God created us without us, but he does not will to save us without us. Pretty, pretty true there. To re- in other words, to receive God's mercy, we must admit our faults. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, quoting 1 John 1, 8 through 9. So again, God created us without us, but he does not will to save us without us. And lastly, regarding the virtue of humility, Jack, Augustine says, let us then follow Christ's paths, which he has revealed to us. Above all, the path of humility, which he himself became for us. He showed us that path by his precepts, and he himself followed it by his suffering on our behalf. So there you have it, a great doctor of the church, the former self-admitted lust addict St. Augustine, one of the four great Western doctors, massive conversion, great, fantastic early church bishop, known as the doctor of grace, but also known as one of the great doctors of the church's moral theology. God has a sense of humor, huh? Self-admitted lust addict in his confessions, and yet he's one of the doctors known for his moral theological teachings. Call us if you've been at the family cell celebration in Birmingham this past Saturday. Tell us what you thought of it. Straight ahead, we'll talk to Mike in St. Louis, Missouri, and we've got plenty of time for your phone calls. The number's 833-288-EWTN. It's Open Line Tuesday with Father Wade. This is Open Line on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. If you have a question, call 1-833-288-EWTN. That's 1-833-288-3986. Outside North America, call 1-205-271-2985 
or send us an email to openline at EWTN.com. You know, Church Pop takes a fresh and fun look at the news shaping our world, featuring engaging, inspiring, and informative Catholic social media content. You can find it on Snapchat, Instagram, and on the web at churchpop.com. And you can get Church Pop directly to your email inbox. Just visit EWTN.com and click on subscribe. And go to churchpop.com if for no other reason than to check out the newly minted brand spanking new Church Pop logo. So check it out today at churchpop.com. 833-288-EWTN is our toll-free number, 833-288-3986. Grab one of these open phone lines. As promised, first up today is Mike in my hometown, St. Louis, Missouri, listening on Covenant Radio. Mike, you're on with Father Wade. Hey, guys. How are you today? Doing great, Mike. Thank you for your call. We appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you for listening. Um, Guys, I was just telling the screener that, you know, I've converted over to Catholic religion, um, and I'm just trying to figure out what I need to do, um, you know, in my new endeavor, um, because I am very serious about walking with Christ, and I tell my wife all the time that you cannot be a Christian, in my eyes, just my opinion, and run around using a filthy language, yelling at your spouse, and driving down the road and flipping people off. That's just That's just unacceptable to me. Um, so I'm trying to change that part of my life. I just went into drug rehab and I've been clean since April 26th of 2023. And I'm proud of that. Um, I just, I just need some advice on where you think I should go from here and what you gentlemen think I need to do to, um, you know, you can't stay at home and pray. You have to work. And I believe you have to gather in Christ's name. I believe all that stuff. That's just me. Um, so well, Mike, I was just wondering what—go ahead, I'm sorry. Well, Mike, what a what a, a great uh, series of questions that show forth your goodwill and your good intent. Um, it, make a little more clear for me, because I'm a, I'm a little confused in regards to whether or not you are already a Catholic or you want to become a Catholic. No, sir, I, I'm not a Catholic. I mean, okay. I, I, okay. Don't, I, don't know how, I don't know how to do that. I was getting—I've got a great best friend, almost 80 years old, and I'm telling you guys— I, I call him St. John constantly because this man is just an unreal human being. He, he is a devout Catholic, and it, he's just always been by my side and been there when I've needed him. And um, Great. Uh, so I, he told me to call and get some advice, and that's exactly well, what I'm doing. Well, what you want to do, Mike, uh, since you're, you want to look seriously at becoming Catholic, possibly joining the Catholic faith, uh, once you go through the process of what's called the Rite of Christian Initiation for Adults, also known as RCIA, again, Rite, that's R-I-T-E, the Rite of Christian Initiation for Adults, it's about a one-year program that leads to the catechumens who discern during that one-year process that they do definitely want to enter the Catholic Church, to entering the Catholic Church at the Easter Vigil. It is also possible to enter the Catholic Church as a, as a private person, not going through a class, but you would still have to take the RCIA instruction. When would we see that happening? Well, for example, because of a work schedule, you're not able to make it to the Wednesday night courses, let's say, at the parish when the RCIA courses are normally held. It is possible. Which should be starting right about now. Exactly, exactly. They start up in the 
fall. They kind of run on the system of the school year. So late August, early September is when the RCIA courses begin in a parish. So I would begin by looking at, at the area parish that is closest to you in jurisdiction according to where you live. Uh, hopefully it'll be a parish known for its faithfulness uh, to Rome and the teachings of the church and right in line with the chair of Peter. Uh, you know, not a progressive liberal parish, uh, and, and, and that you'll be truly, truly fed uh, in, the truest of sense of the, in the truest of sense uh, regarding the Catholic Church and her teachings. But you want to begin with contacting the pastor of your local parish uh, and inquire with the RCIA. And then, depending on what, not, whether or not whether you've been baptized or not, and if you have been baptized, whether or not the Catholic Church will consider that baptism valid based on what you remember about it. For example, if it was done in a true Trinitarian formula in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, that towards its validity as opposed to an invalid baptism, for example, done in the name of the Creator, the Redeemer, and the Sanctifier, the Catholic Church would not deem that a valid baptism and so would baptize you. So these are the kinds of questions and things you'll talk out, but at the Easter Vigil, the catechumen who has no sacraments will receive the three sacraments of initiation at the Easter Vigil. Baptism, Confirmation, and First Holy Communion. In that order, at that Mass, the Easter Vigil, what we affectionately call the, the Mother Vigil of all vigils. And, uh, but it could be that there's going to be some catechumens at that Mass who have, whose baptisms are already deemed valid, so then at the Easter Vigil they would only receive Confirmation and First Holy Communion. But, you, but to be fully a Catholic, and I'm not talking about a level of God's grace here, that, that could, there's always room for growth in God's grace. I'm talking about membership in the Church per se. You can't be any fuller a member of the Catholic Church once you have the three sacraments of initiation, baptism, confirmation, and Holy Eucharist. It's like being a fourth member Knight of Columbus. There are no higher degrees than the fourth degree Knight of Columbus member. Once you have the fourth degree, you are at the optimum of your membership as far as membership goes. And so that's what you want. You want, if you discern that, yes, I am called to, called to become a Catholic, you want baptism, confirmation, and Holy Eucharist, because those sacraments of initiation make you fully, fully a Catholic in membership. And of course, as far as God's grace goes, there's always room for growing more and more in God's grace. So uh, I want to urge you, Mike, uh, uh, from St. Louis. Thank you for your call again. I want to urge you to see your local parish priest. Uh, he will probably direct you to the director of religious education at the parish, who could be a, a layman or a laywoman or maybe a, an associate pastor of his. Uh, if you're St. Louis, you might want to inquire with the cathedral parish uh, and, and see about their RCA program. Hey, listen, it would be inspirational to you regardless just to go to the cathedral in St. Louis. Yeah, both uh, of them, the old one and the new one. Yeah, the old one and the new one. The new one especially is mosaic on the, the entire inside is mosaic. It's absolutely beautiful. Um, does that give you somewhere to turn, Mike? I'll tell you, uh, absolutely. I got chills when you were talking about it, and I just, I just want to thank the Catholic Church for not canceling anything and believing in every single Bible in the book and not canceling culture uh, just by the way you want to believe it. Oh, I say it many times, Mike. Catholics, we love the culture. We love it so much, we precisely, with a capital P, want to sanctify it and make it holy. We don't become reclusivist. 
We stay active in the world. Now, there are religious communities that are cloistered, like Mother Angelica's nuns, the poor Claire nuns of perpetual adoration at the Shrine of the Most Blessed Sacrament in Hansville, also the Our Lady of the Angels Monastery. That's their monastery located on the same, uh, within the same location. So there are special vocations called to the cloistered life, and they're praying for the salvation of the world. But for those of us who are active, like yourself and, and me as a member of the Fathers of Mercy, we're active itinerant traveling missionary preachers. We want to sanctify the world. We want to make it holy. We, we want to help uh, bring it the truth with a capital T, and Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. So you're right. It, the Catholic Church doesn't cancel. The Catholic Church brings the individual to the truth. So thank you so much, Mike, for a great question and for a great witness question by virtue of your call today. Pick up the phone and give us a call. The number is 833-288-EWTN. It's a free telephone call anywhere in the United States and Canada. 833-288-398. So you kids and your phones, I'm telling you what. <laughs> I was getting ready to dial. <laughs> Chalice is in Chicago, Illinois, listening today on the EWTN app. Chalice, thanks so much for holding. You're on with Father Wade. Hi there. Uh, you know, I uh, my spiritual director tells me that I'm a mystic because I have both open and closed eyes visions, and I consider this as personal revelation. I'm also a secular Franciscan, and some time ago, while I was imploring God um, as one of the three persons of the Trinity, you know what He was doing while Jesus was on the cross. I was deep in prayer, and I was suddenly given a vision of God suffering alongside with Jesus. And honestly, this stunned me because I know that God is a spirit, and at the time I considered emotion to belong primarily to the world of the physical. Now today, I was, you know, just got in the Eucharist, and I was pleading uh, deep in, in prayer with uh, pleading for the light of the world, and I heard Holy Spirit tell me again, and it gave me a strong pain to my heart, that God felt the pain of Jesus. And so then as Holy Spirit, you know, he can give a whole sentence or a whole paragraph in the split of a split second. I thought that God suffers even when I suffer and when all of us suffer. And so the words escape me right now, but I want to know, uh, just does God feel as a person that he is um, the tears of each and every one of us? And I remind myself that um, Our Lady of Fatima said that God is much offended, which I consider to be a word of emotion. And so I, I'm really trying to understand how Abba feels in the personal. Okay, great, great question. You know, when the Bible describes God as having emotions uh, such as anger or regret or pleasure, um, or sadness, we understand that these are metaphors that describe how human beings relate to God, not how God relates to us. So saying God is angry at our sin or pleased with our obedience doesn't mean God is reacting to something that we did. It means we did something to alienate ourselves from God or the opposite, to draw ourselves closer to him. Um, Cardinal Ratzinger, as Cardinal Ratzinger, before he was elected Pope Benedict XVI, put it this way. He said, the wrath of God is a way of saying that I have been living in a way that is contrary to the love that God actually is. The punishment of God is, in fact, an expression for having missed the right road and then experiencing the consequences that follow from taking that the wrong track and wandering away from the right way of living, and thus leading ourselves, we ourselves, going further and further away from God. So the Bible's descriptions of God's emotions 
we could also say also represent how God's ancient people conceived of God in light of their cultural context, okay? That's a big thing, like when you read the, the Old Testament. In places such as the ancient Near East, deities were often compared to human kings, and the best kings were those who were strong and swiftly punished anyone, whether foreign invaders or domestic rebels who threatened the populace. But, but Catholic teaching in regards to God being pure spirit teaches that God does not have uh, passions, emotions, or feelings per se. Now, in his sacred humanity, the second person of the Blessed Trinity, uh, when he took on our humanity in every way but sin, he did have the passions, emotions, and feelings, but they were, they were perfectly kept in check, okay? He, was, he had a full human nature, just like ours, in every way but sins. So, uh, you know, some people may say that biblical descriptions of God's emotions are nothing to be ashamed of because they, because they make God more relatable to us, but although God did experience human emotions through the human nature he assumed through his incarnation as Jesus Christ, God does not experience emotions as part of his divine nature, and that's de fide teaching from the Catholic Church. The Incarnation makes God more relatable precisely because, uh, because he's, he's our God who knows us through and through. 833-288-EWTN is our toll-free number. 833-288-3986. It's Open Line Tuesday with Father Wade. This is Open Line on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. 833-288-EWTN is our toll-free number. We've got a couple of open phone lines and plenty of time for your calls at 833-288-3986. Next stop for us is Raleigh, North Carolina. Olga is listening on Sirius XM Channel 130. Olga, you're on with Father Wade. What is up with all these Marys? That's a good way to, to summarize it, yes. Yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm curious as to, you know, the, the, the four I can really, I guess, pinpoint are Mary of Bethany, uh, Sister of Lazarus and Martha, um, Mary Magdalene, and then Mary that anointed his feet, Jesus' feet, and also the woman caught in adultery, I guess, is, may or may not be called Mary. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's who... who who are they, or I is it one, a, and what... Do, I can think yeah, of a couple other ones. <laughs> okay, well... Olga, Olga, did you say yeah, the blessed, so. Olga, did you say the Blessed Virgin Mary in your line up there? Oh, no. No, <laughs> no. We know who she is. Oh, okay. But she is another Mary, <laughs> though. I thought you were going to say her <laughs> as well, because you were given the litany no. of Marys. So, so I'm going to yeah. take the easy way out on this one, Olga. I want you to go to catholic.com catholic.com which is catholic answers out of san diego they have a series of articles on the arguments that are pro and the arguments that are con as to whether or not mary of magdala mary magdalene who had seven demons cast out of her and mary of bethany who was one of the three siblings that were very close to our lord along with mary and lazarus uh, whether or not they are the same person the pro arguments and the con arguments. You're going to get a much more better treatise by reading those several articles than you would with me in a matter of two to three minutes. Um, also, there is the Mary at Bethany uh, that that we can not only compare with Mary of Magdala and vice versa, but there's also the woman who bathed Jesus's feet with her 
tears and dried them with her hair. Was she one of those other two Marys, or are all three of them the same? So the pro and con arguments, there's some great articles written at catholic.com. That's Catholic Answers out of San Diego, California, and they give a great, great treatise uh, to, to, to this very subject. Uh, I will tell you that numerous popes have said that Mary of Magdala and Mary of Bethany uh, were one of the same, and one of them actually uh, proclaimed it de fide, uh, to my knowledge. I forget which pope it was. It was in the 6th century, the end of the 6th century. But he proclaimed it de fide, that they were one of the same, and that one could clearly believe that. So, But go to Catholic.com, and you'll get a great treatise. Uh, it, there, there's too many uh, century, ar- uh, century arguments from over the 2,000-year history of the Church, there's too many arguments, pro and con, for the very question, based on later and later and later, meaning more modern and more modern, and I mean good modern, uh, exegeses of the scriptural texts and why we can believe that they were the same and why it's okay to believe that they weren't the same. Uh, So the Church does not uh, hold sway one way or the other, uh, because even the Holy Father said in the 6th century that one can believe either way, but he himself personally believed that they were. So so we don't have DNA testing. No DNA testing from that far back. <laughs> God bless you, Olga. We appreciate the phone call. 833-288-EWTN is our toll-free number. Next up is Susan in Columbia, Missouri, listening on Covenant Radio. Susan, you are on with Father Wade Menezes. Okay, thank you, Father, for taking my call. I just was wondering... Um, who is going to be able to vote in the synodal uh, way that's coming up? And it, is it just, is it going to be lay people? Is it going to be um, uh, like non-Catholics and all different people? I was just wondering about that. I think it's kind of confusing. Okay. Well, remember, before you go to the October International Synod, you got to back up and realize that this has been a three-year process, um, beginning with the Amazon Synod, where individual national conferences of bishops have called their individual dioceses, and the individual dioceses have had their synods, representative of parishes within their dioceses, to come up with um, a series of topics that are important to them uh, to be presented at the national level to the bishops, so the bishops in turn can give that list to Rome when Rome puts together the agenda for the International Synod. So in past synods, we by the way, we call that process at the national and, and diocesan level the auditing sessions, okay? They, they're, they're, they're named as synods, but because they're gathering something for an international level, they're also auditing on what's important and what's not as important. So in past synods, auditors included priests, religious, and lay, and lay people uh, who did not have the, the right to vote in actual synod deliberations. Now there are 70 members— chosen by the Holy Father, who may be priests, consecrated women, deacons, and lay people who will be able to vote um, at the International Synod in October. So the Vatican has announced officially that lay people, including women, will vote in the Synod on Synodality at the General Assembly in October. This This announcement came a few months back in April when the Vatican announced 
that there will be lay people participating as the 70 voting members in the Synod and Synodality's October Assembly in Rome, a break with past custom, which allowed lay people to participate without the right to vote. Now certain ones have been selected with the right to vote. Pope Francis did this to let them live more fully their baptism and confirmation and to have a voice in the church. Now, the General Assembly of the Synod and Synodality will take place in two separate sessions in October 2023 and the following year in October 2024. Uh, After the vote on a final document for the Assembly, the Pope alone decides whether to take any actions based on the recommendations in the final text or whether to adopt it as an official church document and official church teaching. Now, we know what the church teaches on the development of doctrine. Now, I'm going to give you a great, great saint to look up in the Liturgy of the Hours. It's St. Vincent of Lorenz, L-E-R-I-N-S. If you put on the search bar of your search engine, St. Vincent of Lorenz, L-E-R-I-N-S, Office of Readings, that's the office from the breviary, Office of Readings on the Development of Doctrine on the development of doctrine, he, he gives in a synthesis kind of way, a short, curt synthesis, in, in an absolutely fantastic way, the Church's teaching on the development of the doctrine. So if there is development of a doctrine, it has to be truly that, a growth out of the existing doctrine. It cannot be a change of doctrine. Okay, so does the church teach the sensus fidei, uh, or the sensis fidelium, the sense of the faithful in regards to faith and morals? Yes, with the Holy Father always having the final word, just like the Synod will show that will show in October 2024 when the Second International Assembly takes place after this October of 2023. But the sense of the faithful can be taken into account, and any development of doctrine has to be truly that a development of a pre-existing doctrine. It cannot be a change of doctrine, and Saint Vincent. Lorenz, he he states that so beautifully. So thank you for a great question. You know, by the way, Catholic News Agency, is that EWTN? Uh, uh, actually, is- the National Catholic Register has a phenomenal article online called um, The Synod on Synodality, What Every Catholic Should Know. Okay, great, great. There you go. I, I was going to direct you to the CNA Catholic News Agency, which I is 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 that partly owned by EWTN? It's, yeah, or owned solely by, owned so, by EWTN. So that's yeah. what I thought. That's our online news service. Yeah, so that's the online news service. In fact, uh, several of the regular writers for the National Catholic Register take their articles and their information from CNA, the news agency, where the register is an actual publication, both in print form and online form. It's a newspaper, online form or written form. But the CNA is Catholic News Agency, and, and that's also a great resource along with the article that Jack just said. 833-288-EWTN is our toll-free number. Bill is in the great state of Washington listening on Sacred Heart Radio. Bill, you're on with Father Wade. Hi. Hello, Bill. Hi. Thank you for your call. Oh, hi. Father. Yeah, I have a question. Nobody's free from the dogma of original sin. I'm sorry, say again? Nobody's free from the dogma of original sin. That is correct. We inherit the, the we, well, yeah. we don't inherit the doctrine. We inherit the original sin from yeah. our first parents, right? And so what's, mm-hmm. what exactly is your question? Well, you don't have a, you're not free. From a, nobody's born free from original sin. In other words, you have a right to be wrong. Well, we have a right to, per, we, have, we have a right to pursue the truth with our intellect and will. So the two chief effects of the original sin of our first parents, and you'll find this right in the Catechism in the section on virtue, the two chief effects uh, of the original sin is a darkened intellect and a weakened will. 
So before the fall of our first parents, uh, we had an enlightened intellect and a strengthened will. But after the fall of our first parents, the enlightened intellect became darkened and the strengthened will became weakened. Thus, we have the problem of concupiscence, which is the tug towards sinful action, whether venial or mortal. We know mortal sin is grave matter done with fullness of knowledge that it's, done with, that it's grave matter and done with deliberate consent of your will anyway. There is sin that is deadly and sin that is not deadly, the, the, the New Testament tells us. So whether mortal or venial, we have the concupiscence, the tugs towards sin. So I would agree with you in regards to the tugs towards sin, because of the original sin, we have that tendency. It's the tendency towards sin, but we don't have to do it. We still have the free intellect and will to choose the good, the true, and the beautiful to, to not go down the wrong path. So we don't have the original sin doesn't give us a right to do bad the original sin just makes it possible that we can do bad and hopefully we won't choose that possibility so i I hope that helps you out bill thank you so much 833-288-EWTN that's our toll-free number plenty of time for your phone calls at 833-288 Three nine eight six. Mary is in South Mississippi watching us on YouTube today. Hi, Mary. You're on with Father Wade. Hello, gentlemen. How are you doing this well today, this evening, whatever it is? Great, great, Mary. It's it's uh, it's about two forty five here in Central Time, Alabama. Here, so it's middle afternoon. Thank you very much for asking. Um, I have one question. I missed Mass on. The Feast of the Assumption, which is one of my favorite feasts. Sure. But I always forget, I always forget which ones are mandatory because I, you know, if all of the Marian feasts were um, obligatory, then I would never miss one. But, you know, I just can't keep in my mind which ones are, which ones aren't. So, but then Father mentioned it at Mass, you know, before the Sunday before. So I thought, oh, I can't miss. It's, it's Tuesday. I got to be there. And then that day, I, I never thought of it one time until 7 p.m., and I realized it was too late. I looked up our uh, diocese, and we had no masses at that time. So I, the following Sunday, which was yesterday, I thought probably I shouldn't go to Mass, I mean, receive uh, the Eucharist because I've committed a grave sin. And then I got to thinking about it because I really wanted to receive the Eucharist. So I'm, I was telling myself, well, you know, I didn't intentionally miss i didn't say to myself well i'd rather watch tv than uh, this tv show than go so i thought maybe it's just a moral sin yeah sure that's it i mean a um venial sin so i went ahead and went because my whole body was just gravitating to the to the eucharist i you know i just couldn't see myself not receiving and now i'm thinking now i'm thinking i just justified it so that i could receive okay remember remember mary in order to sin venially or mortally, you have to will it. Uh, A mortal sin is three things. Grave matter, done with fullness of knowledge that the action in question is grave matter. And thirdly, done with deliberate consent of your will anyway. Your question is actually a great question following the last caller where I mentioned this briefly about the original sin. But I'm talking about mortal sin, which gives us, uh, 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 the original sin gives us a, a, a natural concupiscence 
to tug us toward venial or mortal sin. So what is mortal sin? It's grave matter done with fullness of knowledge that it's grave matter and done with deliberate consent of your will anyway. If all three are present, it's a mortal sin. If one or two of those is missing, you have a venial sin. If all three are missing, you probably don't even have a venial sin. You just have a daily fault or weakness that you need to work on to improve upon. So in your case, was it grave matter to miss a holy day of obligation? Yes. Okay. Did you have knowledge that it would be grave matter to miss the Holy Day of Obligation if you missed it purposefully? Yes. Did you do it with deliberate consent of your will? No. You simply forgot about it. You did not miss the assumption because you per se said to yourself, oh, it's the assumption. It's a Holy Day of Obligation. But you know what? I choose to willfully not go. That's grave matter, done with fullness of knowledge that it's grave matter, and done with deliberate consent of your will. In your case, you simply forgot. Uh, the, so it, does, it wasn't done with your deliberate consent. So while objectively it's a mortal sin to miss a holy day of obligation, it's one of the five precept laws, subjectively in Mary from South Mississippi, subjectively it was venial. The greater sin here, Mary, is that you weren't disciplined enough in your spiritual life to remember it was, per se, the Assumption on August 15th. Like, like the week before, looking at your week ahead to see what's, what's your week ahead hold. Oh, it's, it's, it's the Assumption. It's the Holy Day of Obligation on a weekday. I got to get to that, you know. So uh, that's, that's an example. Maybe the greater sin is there. But remember, you have to will it in order to sin with it or to sin about it. So why do we have the five precept laws, one of which is you shall attend Mass on Sundays and on all holy days of obligation and rest from unnecessary servile labor. That's the first one. The second one is you shall confess your sins at least once a year. Number three, you shall receive the sacrament of the Eucharist at least during the Easter season, the 50-day Easter season. Number four, you shall observe the days of fasting and abstinence established by the laws of the Church. For example, Ash Wednesday and Good Friday, being a day of both fasting and abstinence, where the other Fridays of Lent are simply abstinence, not necessarily fasting. Um, And then number five, you shall help to provide for the needs of the Church. Why do we have the five precept laws, quote-unquote? Because, granted, they are self-imposed by the magisterial authority of the Church. They're implicitly found in Scripture, that is, they're indirectly found in Scripture, or, or directly, in, in the case of the first one, you shall attend Mass on Sundays, it fulfills the first three commandments, which have to do with God. Why do we have the, the five precept laws when they're self-imposed by the magisterial teaching of the Church? Because when they're all carried out, Mary, when all five precept laws are lived and carried out, they automatically ensure, by their very nature, they automatically ensure at least a minimal practice of one's Catholic faith. And Holy Mother Church, the Bride of Christ, which he founded, he established, which we know by her four marks, one holy Catholic and apostolic. Holy Mother Church, being just that, a good and holy mother, wants to ensure that her children are practicing the Catholic faith at least minimally. Just like a natural, a natural physical mother would hope that her children are practicing the faith at least minimally. Okay, so that's why we have the five precept laws. So objectively, yes, a mortal sin, what you're describing. Subjectively, venial. The greater sin is that you didn't have the wherewithal, you didn't have the discipline, you didn't have the, the diligence, the virtue of diligence to remember, hey, it's, it's one of the two great Marian holy days of obligation, the Assumption. And of course, Immaculate Conception is the other one in December 8th, on December 8th. 
you didn't have the wherewithal, the, the virtue of diligence, the, the, the remembering, the discipline of the spiritual remembering. Hey, it's the, it's the assumption, and I got to get to Mass to honor the Mother of God. That's where the greater sin was, but at most it was venial, and so you want to try to do better in that regard. Mary, I hope that helps you out. Thank you so much for a great call. Remember, no room for scrupulosity here. We don't want to be super ecclesia above the Church's teaching. We don't want to be sub-ecclesia and self-loathing under the Church's teaching. We want to be cum ecclesia, with the church. And clearly, that's what the church teaches about what constitutes a mortal sin. Grave matter done with fullness of knowledge and done with deliberate consent of your will, which you cannot do if uh, you simply forgot it. Thank you, Mary. 833-288-EWTN is our toll-free number. 833-288-3986. Be sure to check out More to Life tomorrow morning at 10 a.m. Eastern Time. Feeling oh, feverish? Is your emotional temperature elevated? The Pop Checks will help you cool down. That's more to life tomorrow morning, 10 a.m. Eastern Time, right here on EWTN Radio. Do as I say, not as I do, Father Wade. <laughs> Next up is Felix. He is in New Orleans, Louisiana, listening on Catholic Community Radio. Felix, you're on with Father Wade. Hi, Father. Um... Uh, I'm a, I may appear a little uh, nervous because I have never called on a radio station before. But anyway, I, I want to let you know that I was in um, EWTN this weekend in Birmingham, Alabama, and I participated in the Spanish part of the... Uh, oh, beautiful. Oh, yes. And uh, I had the opportunity to go to the shrine and I uh, was very impressed and received a lot of uh, uh, graces by being there. Um, a personal friend of Father Pedro Nunez, I'm sure you know him, and uh, he has a program uh, at EWTN. It's called Conozca Primero Su Fe Católica. Uh, no first, your Catholic faith. And I was there while he was, um, while he was um, um, doing it. But anyway, my question to you is this. Uh, I know that uh, Christ is the head of the church, and we are the members. So if someone leaves the church whatever reason it may be, are we not decapitating Christ? Don't we need, in order to be sal- to, to gain salvation, don't we need Christ and the Church? Yeah. G- yes, we do need the Church and Christ. Where there is the Catholic Church, there is Jesus Christ. Where there is Jesus Christ, there is the Catholic Church, quoting several of the Church Fathers. You know, the Catholic Church in teaches infallibly, uh, uh, outside the Church there is no salvation. But as with all dogmas of the faith, this has to be qualified and understood properly. So the Catechism of the Catholic Church lays out the truth of the matter very succinctly in paragraphs 846 through 848. Uh, but I would recommend backing up a little bit to Catechism of the Catholic Church number 830 for a fuller context that will help in understanding these three essential points concerning this teaching, okay? There is no salvation apart from Christ and His one holy Catholic, meaning universal and apostolic Church. Again, this is an infallible teaching and not up for debate among Catholics. Number two, those who are, who are invincibly ignorant concerning the truth of that number one that I just said— above uh, will not be culpable or guilty for this lack of knowledge before God, okay? Those in category number two who have the real possibility of salvation, even if they never come to an explicit knowledge of Christ and or of his church, uh, can be saved, okay, if through no fault of their own they never come to know the church. So the, Catholic, the Catechism of the Catholic Church number, says number in number 846, 
uh, formula, formulated positively, we say that where there is salvation, there is the Catholic Church. And the reason why I want you to go back to number 830, even before number 846 through 848, is because it talks about the Church being the one vessel founded by Jesus Christ that possesses the fullness of truth, okay? The fullness of truth. So again, the Church does teach that outside of the Catholic Church there is no salvation. That's de fide, but that has to be qualified on what that means exactly for those who, through no fault of their own, never got to know the truth, right? Versus those who knew it but purposefully rejected it. Okay, so that's very, very important. Uh, so I want to I want to urge you to look at 846 through 848 of the Catechism, but begin reading at number 830. Great, great question. Next up is Catherine in Birmingham, Alabama, listening on the EWTN app. Catherine, you were at the family celebration this weekend. What was the single most uh, favorite part of the day for you? And remember that I have a very fragile ego. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, Jack, we didn't all stand up and give you a whole big standing ovation. (laughs) (laughs) It was riveting, though, wasn't it? Yes, it was. The the two most, the best two talks, of course, were the first two. Um, Father Manezes and and Deacon. They were awesome. And I just just wanted to call in to say what a wonderful time I had to, and to um, uh, wish everyone... That, uh, that this week they can get all the rest that they need, because I know how hard everybody worked to put that on for us. And um, it was it was a great day, a great day. Well, thank you, Catherine. And, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, I just wanted to wish you a belated happy birthday. Thank you, I appreciate and, that. And to tell you that I have a response when you end the shows every week, when you say, uh, St. Joseph, Terror of Demons, pray for us. Yes, I, I always answer you back in my house, and uh, Mary, terror of the treacherous, pray for us. Mary, I found that Mary, terror, terror of, of the, the treacherous. Yeah, treacherous. I found that in the litany of Our Lady of Sorrows. Yes, that's one of her titles in Our Lady of Sorrows. Yes, yes. I have a particular devotion to St. Joseph, and when I came on the radio in 2018 to host Open Line Tuesday, I made a consecration of the radio show to him. Uh, because my voice would be over the public airwaves, and I wanted his protection. And so that's why I, I invoke St. Joseph specifically under that title. And if I, if I said a, an entire litany at the end of every show, I don't think Jack would, as strong of a good Catholic as Jack is, I don't think Jack would want me to do a 30-plus title litany to any saint uh, at the end of each of the show each week. But, uh, Catherine, i got to agree with you. I thought the family celebration, this was my third one that I've attended, third one that I've spoken at, and uh, I just thought it was wonderfully executed. It was very, very organized. Even EWTNRC had a beautiful, beautiful store set up devotionally for the attendees. Uh, Everything was very well planned out with the appropriate break times. Uh, We had about 2,700 in attendance, about 700, as I said at the beginning of the show this hour, 700 in the Spanish track and about 2,000 in the English track. Um, The air conditioning unit and and the BJCC uh, worked wonderfully. I heard many good comments about that. Uh, Big contingent from Florida. Uh, I asked them to turn on the air conditioners, and they said they did. They they said they did. But thank you so much, Catherine, for your great, great uh, comment. Father Wage, would you leave us with the blessing? I certainly will, Jack. May the blessing of Almighty God, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit descend upon all of our Open Line Tuesday listeners and remain with each and every one of you this day and always. St. Joseph, Terror of Demons. Pray for us and Mary. 
terror of the, of treacherous. the treacherous. Pray, pray for, for us. us. On behalf of our host, Father Wade Benizes, our producer, Michael McCall, call screener, Matt Gubensky, and our social media maven, Mr. Jeff Burson. I'm Jack Williams. Thanks so much for tuning in. Back at it tomorrow with Father Mitch. Until then, God bless.